a little girl asked her daddy, and she says, "Daddy, are you still growing?" And daddy said, "No, honey. Why do you ask?" And the little girl says, "Because, daddy, the top of your head is coming through your hair." You know, as a child, remember when you were you were little as a child. How many of you remember how? That you would compare your height, your height. This is an area that I love height.、Uh, that you would compare your height to not just your parents, possibly it could be other people, your teacher, or even your friends, and that your desire is to to grow taller than than they are, right? And well, right now in my life, height is not an issue because you see my kids have already surpassed that goal. Thank goodness that they are taller than their mother. You see, I feel I have a ministry. Being short, I feel I have a ministry because you see, other children would come up to me and they would go. Maybe one of your kids would come up to say, "Major Debbie, look, I am almost taller than you." And you know what? I love to hear that. That may be silly or does it make sense? But I do because I don't mind it at all. It's that ministry, and I would tell that child. Guess what? My desire for you, and I pray that you would grow taller than Major Debbie. And you know what? And that is my desire, and I love it. But this morning, I'm not talking about physical height, physical growth, because certainly I've stopped growing. But I'm looking at spiritual growth. Has anybody asked you recently how you're doing in your spiritual growth? If not, I'm going to ask you this morning. And that is the question that I'm going to ask each and every one of you: How about your spiritual growth? Are you growing? How do you measure up compared to the time, that moment when you believed in God? How about your spiritual growth since last year, or whatever time you want to go back to and think? Well, this morning, friends, I want to look at attitude of spiritual growth. Qualities, not the attitude kind of thing. No, no, not that kind of attitude. But qualities of what spiritual growth is all about. You see, as we grow and mature spiritually, our attitudes and our actions become more Christ-like. It should be. That's what holy living is all about. Holy living means being more and more. Like Christ, in our character, in our lifestyle, the way we live, day to day, I would think of twenty-four-seven. How are we living our lives? So this morning we are going to continue in our sermon series, and we're going to be looking at First Peter chapter three, just a verse. I say we have been looking at holy living in an unholy world, and Peter. Peter is writing to the believers in Rome, and he lets them know. He's letting them know that they are called. They were called to holy living in spite of their situations. And you're probably wondering what kind of situations they were in. You see, they were living in a very difficult times in Rome at that time, way back then. In that sense, they were being persecuted as a believer. 
They were hated, resented. They were believers living in an aggressive, hostile society. And now remember that they were not citizens of Rome, partly probably, but they were really citizens in the kingdom of God. And that they were residing here on earth as foreigners and aliens. That can be very tough. They didn't belong there. They were being slandered, falsely accused, and then there goes that persecuted and certainly suffering. But Peter encourages them to grow, to grow spiritually as they face difficult times. You see, each of us, if you and I are growing spiritually, it will be shown not only in our understanding of God and the knowledge of God, but it's also in our actions and our attitudes. And First Peter 3, 8, it's on the screen. Look at this verse. Peter says to the believers in Rome, he says, finally, all of you, and he's speaking to us this morning as well. He says, live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers, or I would say sisters. Be compassionate and humble. Look at that, those words in that verse. We all know it. We've heard all about it. Nothing new to us this morning. But guess what? We are forgetful people. How many of you have forgotten something this week? Sometimes I forget if I locked the door or not in my house. And it's crazy because I really did. But we are forgetful people. That's why Peter reminds us this morning, and again reminding us, because we know all these things, but reminding us, maybe some of you don't, reminding us, firstly, if we are growing spiritually, it will be seen in our attitude of harmony. Harmony. The word harmony means to agree. So if harmony means to agree, then what does the lack of harmony mean then? Well, the lack of harmony means would be to disagree. One of the telltale signs of a lack of spiritual maturity is disharmony or disagreements. And let me tell you, a church in the, the New Testament, there's a church called the Church of Corinth, the Corinthians. They were spiritually immature and needed to grow up. Sometimes we don't want to grow up, don't we? But we need, we're reminded. They were, the result of their immaturity was disharmony and disagreements. And you can read it in 1 Corinthians 3.3. 3. Paul says, you are still worldly for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you. Are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? But you know what? That's that church. But guess what? There's another church that I, that I like, that God tells us I think we all should be. The church of Acts, the first church. And th- what did it say about them? I love this. In Acts 1.14, they all joined together constantly in prayer. And their result of their, of their church is that the believers were together and had everything in common. It resulted for the church to praising God. And they all got along with each other. Surprisingly, right? That's what we all should be, to get along with each other. And the Lord added, and I love this, added to the church 
daily those who were saved. Amen. Because that's what the church is all about. Not the building, but it's the people who's loving and serving God. And the believers were one in heart and in mind. So what, does, what is the secret? How did, get, did they get to that point? Well, they got there because of that harmony of praying together. A harmony of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that they learned and spoke about the word of God with boldness. Not afraid to not share the word of God with others. So harmony is very important, church. An attitude of our spiritual growth and maturity. And the key is praying together, filled with spirit. And when we do that on our own personal growth, can you imagine what each of us can do in a bigger picture of a church? That's amazing. Amazing. So I encourage you to personally have that harmony in each of your personal life as you grow. Together, growing spiritually can result in this amazing harmony that Peter is talking about. Let me tell you a story of a man. A man was visiting an insane asylum one day. And he noticed, as he was there, he noticed that the the insane people, because it's an insane asylum, the insane people were outside in the courtyard or on the field, and there was only one guard. And so this man asked the guard and said, Aren't you afraid? And and the guard says, absolutely not. And he said, don't you believe that since you are by yourself, you're the only one here? How about when these people go, they run over you and they they break out of this, this place? And he said, that's impossible. That's impossible. There's no way. And the man said, why is that impossible? And the guard replied, because you see lunatics... Don't unite. Don't unite. But you know what? We are not lunatics. We are God's chosen people. Aren't we? Are you God's chosen people? And because we are, we need to unite. It's that harmony that Peter is talking about. And I love what we do here. We do ohana groups, small groups. And that's what I see a picture of what harmony is about. Meeting together on a weekly basis praying together, encouraging each other, and certainly learning and talking about the Word of God. And if you are in a Ohana group, keep it on. Keep going and encourage and grow. But if you're not, I encourage you and pray about it because we have a lot of Ohana groups here at our church. If you're growing spiritually, it should be seen not only in our, in our attitude of Harmony, but it also should be an attitude of sympathy. Sympathy, it means to feel together. And the Holy Spirit builds this ability of the church, of us, to feel together. That means to suffer together. And this is why, have you noticed that we don't do all activities in our Christian life alone? Never. You see, sympathy is being willing to enter into and share with other people's emotions, their hurts, their fears, their anxieties. And that's what Peter wanted, the early day church. You see, they were suffering, remember? He wanted them to draw together in understanding 
and purpose. You see, the believers in Rome were really having a bad day. Have you had those days? And maybe you're going through those days in your life right now. See, Peter urges them to be sympathetic. Put yourself in someone else's shoes. Make yourself stand in their place. And do you know what the opposite of the word sympathy is? And in reading Peter's um, text, and I, I believe the opposite of it is apathy. Have you ever heard that word, apathy? Indifference. The clever thing about apathy is that it can seem so innocent. It just doesn't do anything at all. Apathy ignores things, avoids things. Let others handle the load. And hear this, it usually starts with a phrase, I don't care. I really don't care. We as humans, we naturally have this instinct. As parents, you sympathize with your own children when they are hurt, don't we? But this call to be to sympathize with is for those whom we naturally overlooked. Let me give you an illustration. It, this is there's a man who spoke to the Lord and spoke to the Lord and said, "Can you show me hell and can you show me heaven?" And so the Lord took the man into this, this area, a room, that as, you, as they went in, there was a big pot of stew in the middle of the room. The stew was delicious. It smelled really good. And there was people around it starving and desperate. And each of those people were holding spoons that, with very long handles. And they could reach the pot. But because... Their handles was too long for their, for their arms. It was impossible to get to the stew and put it in their mouth. So they suffered. They were suffering terrible, terribly. And now the, the Lord took the, the man. Now let's look and see what heaven is like. And there they went into, it was the same kind of room with a pot in the middle of it, uh, smelling good, and they had the same spoon. But there was a difference. The people there sat around that stew all well-nourished, talking and happy. And so the man did not quite understand what was going on. And the Lord said, it is simple. It is simple. You see, they have learned to feed each other. Scripture tells us in Romans, rejoice with those who rejoice. Not just that, mourn with those who mourn. And in 1 Corinthians, it tells us that if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Be sympathetic with one another. And thirdly, this morning, we're getting there in a home stretch church. If we are going spiritually, it will be seen in our attitude of brotherly love. You know, recently you've heard we've all came from Philadelphia, and there's a picture. And we all know what Philadelphia is known for, what city. It is a city of brotherly love. How about them eagles? Yes, yeah, there are some eagle fans in the house, right? Eagles, brotherly love, an attitude of brotherly love. You know, though we don't always see eye to eye on every issue, there needs to be love for one another. 
There's a poem that says, and it'll be on the screen, and it says, to dwell above with saints we love, that will be grace and glory. To live below with saints we know. Now that's another story. First Peter tells, uh, in chapter 1, tells us that, that each of us, we have sincere love. We need to have sincere love for our brothers and our sisters. And with this kind of love, we should not treat each other as strangers, as normal acquaintances, as distant relatives. We should treat each other like you would treat your family, your ohana. I mean, we all know what ohana means here in Hawaii, don't we? And that's how we should treat one another. And First John 3 tells us that we are to demonstrate in brotherly love or sisterly love by meeting each other's needs. And I'm so proud of our church because we have people. And I want to encourage you more to, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And that is brotherly love. To, be, to call someone when they're hurting and pray with them. Not just maybe on the phone. Take them out to a meal. Send a note. Send a card. And you know what? I could go on and on with the list. But that's what it means. That attitude of brotherly love. Spiritual growth will be seen in our love for one another. And fourthly, this morning, if we are growing spiritually, it will be seen in our attitude of compassion. We've heard that, compassion. It means sometimes tender-hearted. There is so much rudeness in the world that we live in today. Don't you agree? Don't you agree? People nowadays won't even be kind if they are paid to. Lack of customer service. If we are unkind and rude, listen to this, unconcerned, I believe it is an evidence of spiritual immaturity. We will never be able to reach people and change the world for Christ if we have that kind of attitude. There was a boy, and this boy found a little turtle. And, and he loved that turtle, and so what? Of course, you, the boy wanted to touch that turtle. Wanted to touch, and the more he touched and got closer to that turtle, and you know what turtles do, right? The head just goes back in and hide in their shell. And so this boy kept like, what's He got frustrated, got a stick, found a stick, and took that stick and tried prying on that turtle to come out of that shell. But his uncle was around, and, and the uncle said to him, son, no, not that way. You'll never get the turtle open with that stick. You'll, eventually, you'll probably kill the turtle with that stick. And so the, tur- uh, the uncle took the turtle, brought him into the house, and put him right near to the fireplace. And a few minutes later, that turtle grew warm, and the turtle started t- sticking out its head. Just picture that. And his hands started to, and his legs, and started to, to begin to crawl. And uncle, the uncle said, Turtles are like that. And you know what he said too? People are like that too. People. You can't force them into anything. But if you first warm them up with some real kindness, kindness, more than likely, just picture what happens. They will, you'll get to know them more. And that's when you're able to express God in their lives. An attitude of compassion will go far in this world. And many may only be just looking for a simple smile, 
a hug, a touch in the back, a listening ear, or whatever it may be, making a difference in the world with simple gesture of compassion. I want to read to you a, a quote by George Washington Carver, and this is what he says. And you can read it there. It says, how far you go in life depends on how you're being tender with the young, compassionate with the aged, sympathetic with the striving and tolerant of the weak and the strong. Because someday in life, you will have been all of these. And lastly, and thank you for hanging in there with me. Lastly, this morning, if we are growing spiritually, it will be seen in our attitude of humility. You see, if you think you're humble, how many of you think you're humble? Well, I'm glad because you're not. Sorry to kind of bust your bubble, but you're not. So let me tell you, did you hear about the man who received an award for being humble? But he, you see that award right there? The man got that, but he was required to give it back. And you wonder why? Because he wore it proudly. Humility. What is humility? The Webster tells us that it's a quality or a state of not thinking you are better than others. But humility in the biblical definition is humility consists of lowliness of mind, a deep sense of one's own unworthiness in the sight of God, and submission to his will. And how much more what humility we should have, it is the humility of Christ and, and the mind of Christ. That's what we all should have. And I want to read to you this passage of Scripture as we draw near. And this is how we all should be in our relationships with one another. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. That is pure humility. Will we ever get there? We can try to, be the humil- to have that humility that God wants us. You know, we've been to Philadelphia, and on that trip, we were able to take a one-day trip to the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. There's a picture there. It was, an ins- it was so inspiring to see all of the monuments to those who have helped make this great nation of ours. And so this morning, I want to tell you to close with a story, a story about a bitter, cold evening in northern Virginia many, many years ago. You see, an old man was met, sat by the river, and they're waiting for a ride across. And you see, his beard was glazed by the winter frost, and, and the wait seemed endless, and his body became numb and stiff from the frigid north wind. As he was waiting there, he heard this faint, uh, steady rhythm of horses approaching. And anxiously, he watched several horsemen rounded around the bend. 
And he let the first one pass by without an, even an effort to get his attention. Then another passed by, and another. And finally, the last rider, the last rider, near the spot where he sat. Now, imagine now, he's, he's a, like sn- snow statue by then. And as the rider drew near, the old man caught the rider's eye and said, Sir, would you mind giving an old man a ride to the other side? Just the other side. And there, and you see, there doesn't seem to appear to have a passageway by foot. So the rider, reining his horse, he, he said, sure, sure thing, hop on, hop on, hop aboard. And seeing that, seeing that this, this man was half frozen, his body was half frozen, and was unable to kind of lift himself up, he got down, the horseman got down, and dismounted, and helped him on, onto the horse. And so the horseman took him, not just across the river, but took him to his destination, which was just a, a few miles away. And as they neared this tiny, cozy cottage, the horseman was curious. With his curiosity, he, he asked, he inquired the old man, Sir, I noticed that you let several, several other riders pass by without making an effort to secure a ride. Then I came up. And then, and then you immediately, you immediately asked me for a ride. So I'm curious why on such a bitter winter night you would wait and ask the last rider, what if I had refused and left you there? And the old man, listen, love this, lowered himself slowly down the, ho- the horse. He looked the rider straight in the eyes and said, I've been around here for some time. I suppose I know people pretty good. I looked into the eyes of the other riders and immediately saw there was no concern for my situation. It would have been useless even to ask for them for a ride. But when I looked into your eyes, kindness, compassion, humility were evident. I knew then and there that your gentle spirit would welcome, welcome an opportunity to give me, an old man, assistance in my time of need. Those heartwarming comments touched the horseman deeply. And, he's, and, and he told the old man, I'm most grateful for what you have said. May I never get too busy in my own affairs that I failed to respond to the needs of others with kindness and compassion. And friends, with that, Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson turned his horse around and made his way back to the White House. Church, may the Lord help all of us. May the Lord help of us to never get too busy so busy that we fail to respond to the needs of others in our church, in our community with kindness, compassion, and humility. And so in closing this morning, First Peter, 
1, chapter 1, Peter reminds them right off the bat in chapter 1. But as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy, for I am holy. That's not Peter saying it, but it is God who said that. You see, as followers of Christ, we are called to be holy. Not just the early church believers in Rome then, but it is to us today. So how do we live a holy life in this unholy world? I believe we become more and more like Christ as we grow, as we grow spiritually in our attitudes and actions.